Hello. In case you missed the announcement on our socials, we have left Multitude and are now a fully independent podcast. As such, we need your support on Patreon more than ever. Thank you, as always, to our rainbow parents, Toby and Jennifer, who support us on the higher tier. And if you would like to support independent queer media, search for Queer Movie Podcast on Patreon and check us out. We really appreciate it. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time. I am Rowan Ellis. And I'm Jazza John. And each episode we discuss a movie from a different genre of cinema. This episode genre is... Queer, Queer commentary. Commentary, actually. Yeah, <laughs> very good. We continue to support the striking members of SAG-AFTRA and the WGA and as such are still avoiding covering struck work. However, there are still a suite of amazing movies which are produced and distributed by companies that have now, it turns out, gone into their little offices crunched some numbers, decided to be good people, and have adhered to the demands of the striking workers. Amazing, outstanding. So over the next few months, we're going to be bringing you the same old amazing queer movie podcast episodes, but maybe from some studios which you may not have heard of. This really brings us back to one of the original reasons that we started this podcast, which is to promote and celebrate queer movies, which are maybe a little bit less well known. Or you might have heard of the studios because one of them is A24. Um, this episode we're talking <laughs> we're talking about the social just a small studio, just a little no unknown heard of. studio. Uh, this episode we're talking about the social commentary thriller that is also apparently a comedy written and directed by the Sam Levison of Euphoria fame, Assassination Nation from. 2018. But before we put on our latex pink trench coats and watch Zube Korbancho Zange no Neuchi Monai Rowan, what's the gayest thing that you've done since the last episode? Oh, that's an excellent question that we ask every episode. But for some reason, I sort of forgot that we were going <laughs> to ask it today. And now I'm like, oh, I need to go and figure out what my, uh, what my thing is. Oh, do you know what it is? I, um, uh-huh. I just had a, an interview Oh, I didn't I didn't know I'd be doing those again without entering the workforce again. But it was an interview for a, a mentoring program where I would mentor some queer youth, which is really exciting. So I am, I think, through. I think I am going. They sent me the information for the training days. So I'm assuming that I d- did good in the interview. So I am very much looking forward to that, getting paired up. They, they were like, we like to pair people up like mentors and mentees by their interests and then the examples they gave were just so aggressively queer I was delighted it was like yeah so you know whether it's your identity whether it's you know trans youth wanting to be with trans mentors or you know people really like crocheting for example and I was like incredible just throw that in there brilliant the crocheters gotta stick together so yeah I'm very excited about that how about you Jazza what's the gayest thing you've done since we last met so I um also completely forgot that we asked this question every single episode, so I haven't come with something very well prepared. However, something did... This is more, more a queer thing that happened to me. So, as you know, back in the day, I used to upload YouTube videos as well. You did. It doesn't happen so much at the moment, but I'm voracious on the community tab. I, therefore, am still... Because of that history I have on YouTube, I still get a lot of the marketing materials from companies that are looking to have here can you review our product kind of things and very often it's crap to be honest but I got reaffirmed that I am on the gay list somewhere where a company reached out to me and asked me to review or talk about their queer kinky dating app Ooh, 
And you know what? Very was was quite tempted to dive back into creation and then realized oh i have no time so yeah i'm i'm still included on the gay I marketing that stuff for you. that's that's pretty gay and also love that you're keeping with your classic theme of dating related anecdotes for this segment it's the only it's the only thing i have So here's how we do things here at the Queer Movie Podcast. We will be giving, as always, a little background on the film. Firstly, talking about the treatment of Harry Neff, a trans member of the cast of Assassination Nation, who was often asked about her inclusion in the film and what it was like playing uh, a trans character in the film as well. Then we're also going to talk a little bit about the writer and director, Sam Levison, who is nowadays, people love to hate him, Mm. is the vibe I get. We will then be splitting the film into three acts for your convenient consumption, of course, including the party in its aftermath as one of the names of one of the sections, as always, before giving the movie a score using our patented, (laughs) trademarked, copyrighted rainbow flag system. I don't think we can say that if it isn't allegedly. If you say allegedly, (laughs) legally, it's fine. Allegedly, in my opinion. We are going to be spoiling all of this movie. So this is for people who have seen the movie or don't care about the movie being spoiled. Also, just so you know, this movie is really graphic with lots of explicit misogyny, transphobia and homophobia. So it isn't for everyone. We understand if you want to skip this one. Totally fine with us. So without further ado, let's dive into trigger warnings of bullying, blood, abuse, classism, death, drinking, drug use, sexual content, toxic masculinity, homophobia, transphobia, guns, nationalism, racism, kidnapping, murder and attempted murder, the male gaze, sexism, swearing, torture, violence, gore, weapons and fragile male egos and review Assassination Nation. So the first bit of context that we're going to talk about, a lot of, when we when we do these episodes, anyone who hasn't listened before, we talk a little bit about some kind of context around the movie. Sometimes it's theming, sometimes it's people involved in the creation, sometimes it's the kind of queer history of that particular genre. And I picked as my little topic for today, the reason why this movie is like technically within this little podcasts net Remit? that we're casting yeah. into the ocean of movie, which is the fact that it stars <laughs> Harry Neff, who is a trans actress who plays a a trans teenager in this movie and it's something which is very integral to a lot of the plot that happens and a lot of the suffering that her character goes through in a lot of ways but it isn't that the movie is about her transness in like a coming of age type teen way and so this actress is actually my age she's a 1992 baby incredible (laughs) very 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 much a marker of a of a great person uh yeah, is an actress sure. a writer a model multi-talented played dr oh, just barbie. like you as well played exactly played dr barbie yeah. and barbie the same as i did <laughs> but what's interesting is when you are looking at kind of articles or coverage of harry it talks a lot about like firsts that she was a part of the first openly trans woman to sign with this massive international modeling agency the first openly trans woman to appear on the cover of a major british magazine like there's a lot of firsts and i think it's very interesting to think about the fact that when we're talking about trans representation on screen we are often talking about very recent representation and very sparse Mm -hmm. representation especially when it comes to trans rep which are our characters played by trans people and especially within movies so we've talked before on the podcast about the fact that television often has a little bit of a head start on movies in terms of queer representation or representation in general soap operas classically being often the boundary pushers because they are sort of the extreme of that difference between tv and movie and that they are long running Mm -hmm. they have a huge cast of characters they are able to 
fire people if their storylines don't do well, to put it bluntly. Mm -hmm. it Shout can... out to Holly Oaks in the early 2000s. Holly Oaks. Holly Oaks, I think, was first lesbian kiss. EastEnders, first gay male kiss. Emma Dale or Coronation Street, I want to say, was first trans character, but not played by a trans actress. It's same in the US. And I know a lot of people will have done, who are my age, will have done that thing where they would watch the soap storylines but only the gay ones on youtube because some angel <laughs> would have put up the as the world turns oh my god this has literally come from the recesses of my brain it was like noah and luke oh my god that i had like oh a my god flash, like parts one to seven thousand on youtube um god's work truly truly and so it's i think it's it's really interesting that this movie in 2018 felt kind of weirdly revolutionary in that it had this character where they didn't have to give her this sort of crash course into what trans people are introduction or have mm -hmm. her be this very sort of bland character, political correctness, trying to be like, we will introduce you to this character because she's one of mm -hmm. the firsts. And I, f and I found that all really interesting. And so as we pointed out earlier, she ended up doing a bunch of interviews about her role in this movie. And it is really interesting because she gets asked about a bunch of the stuff within this movie that is reasonably controversial or was at the time, including the fact that, as we'll talk about in a second, it was made by a straight white guy. And the story mm -hmm. and the themes are so explicitly and aggressively to do with girlhood and include like a trans girl, a black girl. Like oh, This is all something which feels like a surprise maybe when people find out who might be behind it when you are mm -hmm. only familiar with the idea of the optics the of it, the of themes the of it. And, yeah. and so she has talked about the process of that. So he wrote and directed it, but gave the script to the actresses who played the four kind of lead girls and took a lot of their feedback on and edited the script. So she said in an interview, he humbled himself from the beginning. He knew how high the stakes were for him steering the ship on these representations. After I got the part, he sent me a long email. I sent him back a long email talking about a couple of aspects of the script that I had questions about, things that didn't necessarily feel right to me. He listened, made changes and humbled himself, which is what you have to do if you're Sam Levinson making this film about four teenage girls. Mm -hmm. And this is really interesting to me, this idea of what that process was like, of how that film got made and what I really hope there is some kind of oral history of Assassination Nation in a few years time to figure out what who was pitching this, how was it pitched? Was it Sam who was making it happen in the first place or was it something that was being shopped around as like, we need a movie that's about these themes or we're interested in this kind of Me Too vibe? who's got something but specifically for Harry the appeal of this character was the fact that the identity becomes important for her treatment by other characters in a lot of ways which we'll go into mm -hmm. when we talk about the movie like her trans identity specifically but she saw it as a character who had an extremely what she referred to as recognizable and conventional storyline which is the love story she was mm -hmm. the character who had a sort of romantic relationship story in there of we have this idea of first love but there is something getting in the way there is miscommunication there is teenagers who can't push through the social mm -hmm. taboos and the peer pressure and in the end there is either a redemption or a breakup 
But then at the end, that's not the end of the story for her character. It's not like, okay, and then the boy rushes back and does the big hero moment. And then the end is how Mm -hmm. excited she is to be with him. And so I think for her, that seems to have been the thing that was particularly interesting about the role. When we're talking about Sam Levinson, however, a lot of people, even before the more recent controversy that has happened around him with the idol and with Euphoria, is this idea that was talked about within the reviews of this movie, which is the fact that he is making a point and philosophizing in a way around the subjugation or mistreatment of women, but then is graphically displaying those things on screen for much of the Mm -hmm. runtime of the movie. And so a lot of the commentators who have reviewed this movie unfavorably essentially are sort of like, what is the line between critique or parody or pastiche into being complicit within it and I think Mm -hmm. that really honestly for me is at the heart of the controversy around the film the question marks around the film and I I do think that it's going to end up being a very personal film for a lot of people in terms of how which side they come down on but I know that you have looked more into Sam Levinson and the specifics around what's going on with him right yeah so there is I actually didn't know before we watched before we watched it that this was the same guy who did the Idol and Euphoria. As soon as I did, I was like, "Oh, makes total sense." All of the kind of like cinematographic choices and all of the themes are like almost like he's got an obsession and he doubles down on them, doesn't he? Like it's lots of LED lighting, lots of like thumping soundtracks, a lot of full frontal nudity and sex and graphic violence and all of those kinds of things it sometimes feels like when you're watching his stuff and especially there's been a lot of criticism around the idol the piece that he's made with the weekend where it has come across as like almost like a snuff movie like very exploitative we very nearly called this episode queer exploitation because of the way that Levison kind of like has approached that way of presenting kind of like his themes and his characters across all of his works. So there's a now infamously quite a famous LA Times review that was written by Katie Walsh when this movie came out in 2018 and criticizes this as being a quote patronizing lecture on the contrary social conditioning of women as some kind of girl power rallying cry like it's a novel revelation. And I think similar to what you were saying around, like, yes, this is a commentary. This is clearly a commentary around a social phenomena, specifically around the way that we treat people online, around the amount of stuff that we put online, around the safety of individuals and the way that especially women are treated online. But then I don't, the the solution doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem hugely gratifying for me, even though kind of like it's just a big bloodbath at the end of the at the end of the movie. And I think that these are similar criticisms that we see with his other projects, specifically with Euphoria and The Idol, where at what point is this a commentary? And at what point is this something that is just kind of like feeding into and reflecting the social phenomena that it's kind of like it's trying to addressing? And I think it's really difficult to sometimes do that with especially Levison's work. Most people, I think, watch Euphoria and see it as something that falls on the side of, okay, this is kind of like a really interesting 
commentary, or at least early euphoria, is like an interesting commentary on the sexualization and sexualization and drug use and whatever and mental health of young teenage people growing up. I think a lot of people see the idol and see that as kind of like, oh my god, this is just kind of like, whether or not it's the intent of it is to be a commentary on the society that we live in, it is just kind of like perpetuating the problems that already exist. And then there's a load of stuff in the production of that show that has come out that uh, is especially problematic as well. I think that Assassination Nation kind of falls somewhere in the middle of that, and it will be to the viewer's discretion to decide whether or not this is just kind of like another glorification of violence, like a la Tarantino, or is this like a really clever commentary on the way that we treat especially kind of like young women in like this hyper-sexualized, hyper-online world. It's interesting hearing here, like it feels like at the time anyway, Leveson's intent. He talks about writing this like just a few days or starting to write it just a few days before I believe his daughter was born and he was worried about the kind of world that she was being born into where this was when Me Too was still kind of like a prominent thing in the news and where there was a lot of legislation being put through around revenge porn and those kinds of things and I think that the intent was there to spark a conversation We'll talk about whether or not we think it was successful in doing that. I mean, I think it is really interesting that with The Idol, one of the big things that happened in the behind the scenes is that Mm -hmm. the writer, Amy Simetz, I'm not entirely sure if that's how you pronounce her name, but she was originally Mm -hmm. like attached to this project and left when 80% of the series was already filmed. And there apparently was the reasoning was... Mm -hmm these creative differences, but specifically the idea that it was going too much into the female perspective and it was in the idol a wild. And so it's really interesting to me that like, this is what's going on with his other project later on. And then he's doing this project where, and Euphoria, which all really are centered around like teenage or young women and their perspectives on the world and specifically like injustices and Mm -hmm. issues that they're going through. And I think it's whether or not there was sort of how, what exactly the reasons behind that are and also how much those actresses were listened to within this movie as is talked about in the interview with Harry. I think it's an interesting question Mm -hmm. as to whether or not it was that he's always kind of been reasonably dismissive and these young actresses were like, oh, he like, I can't believe a writer would take on some of my ideas for the script versus he was, he was happy with it in this movie and then he's gotten this kind of ego like I can't be touched I know what I'm talking about auteur vibe of a successful male director we kind of don't know yeah I'm like we don't know definitely and just like he he definitely definitely did like allegedly in my opinion (laughs) allegedly in my opinion he definitely has vibes of like oh my god I'm a tortured artist and he is a guy who uh, like he is he's like had a battle with addiction and all those kinds of things and he's had a bit of a dark past and blah 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 but he does Mm. he just give off that kind of like tortured alter vibes like you said and i think i do i broadly do like this movie but then seeing what he's Mm. gone on to make i have more mixed feelings about it anyway shall we get in and start talking about assassination national nope (laughs) <laughs> Let's talk about assassination nation. Assassination. That's actually really hard to say out loud. Okay, so we always split, as we mentioned earlier, the movie into three parts, and I think I know what the title of this first part's going to be, Jazza. Well, is it's it very. The, <laughs> is it the party in its aftermath? It's. It is. Good job. Well done. We um, did it. 
It is the there party always in its aftermath. Is, I don't know what it is about queer movies, but they love to have a party in its aftermath. Mm-hmm. And this one, near the beginning of the movie. So our opening scenes, we have a little bit of a frame narrative. We've got a classic teen movie narrator taking us through, but we start kind of where we're going to end with the idea that there's a load of trigger warnings happening. Oh, the protagonist so edgy. is telling us about Rowan, how... it's edgy. I don't know if we're going to live through the night. Let's start at the beginning. Very Brechtian vibes is what we're getting, you know? Yeah, uh, lots of, uh, like, purge masks. Like, oh, kids yeah. going around in a tricycle with, there's uh, nothing like, a Halloween more, mask. Yeah, There's nothing more disturbing than a child on a tricycle. It's, it's what so I've true. learned from this movie and The Shining. Yeah. And so we essentially are just getting to know our main character, Lily. She is an ex-babysitter for a very cute kid, but she's busy with school and college. So we're getting the sense that she's smart. She's, you know, dedicated, but she's also very kind of sexually open and mm-hmm. honest. She just casually drops to her friend's mom that she was just with a guy who had his fingers down her throat. And she's also texting a mysterious man called Daddy. Daddy. Yeah. who it is. Rowan, when I tell you this friends. was the biggest cliche, I had no idea who Daddy was until Are the reveal. fucking kidding me? Can I tell you, I thought Daddy was the mayor for the oh longest time. Oh my God. Okay, this is, I don't know how much we've covered this in the podcast specifically, but we, me and Jazza kind of have this, what was a recurring joke, but now I'm starting to realize is like, horrendously true mm-hmm. which is that when we watch movies i kind of like recognize exactly what's going to happen as soon as it's happened like before it happens and you like, will spoil it for me you'll be like oh but, there's like, the murderer but i it's because i kind of think it's really obvious so i'm like oh i can't wait till this happens and you're always like Rowan, shut what? The fuck up. i don't know what you're talking about so i'm like okay i need to just say absolutely nothing but it does mean that when we were watching a hot we watched the queer slasher they them together oh and gosh. i could I knew when it was about to have a jump scare, so I would turn to you to watch your reaction because I knew it was coming. So that the amount of footage I have, because I pressed record at the exact right time, knowing mm-hmm. when there was going to be a big scare was great. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you didn't know that Daddy was this slightly irrelevant man at the beginning who had given her a weird look and a bit mm-hmm. of an awkward moment, mm-hmm. wild to me. Um, yep, famously, I'm a big baby and really dumb. That's that. I love that for you. So yeah, yeah, daddy is indeed the father of the child she used to babysit for. But they, this is all very super, super fast paced. We've got a lot of crosstalk between the characters. It's very much that kind of hyper realized teen patter, I guess, going on Mm. is how they've chosen to do the, the scripting here. And there's also a lot of social media posts overlapping a lot of vertical videos a lot of drugs Mm -hmm. and sex and rock and roll and swearing do people actually do this you know more gen z's than i do do people actually like go on snapchat and say yeah we're gonna go out with the lads and smash a load of pussy is that realistic (laughs) i mean i'm not i'm the lads that that you know do they go out that much younger than you jazza so i'm not on snapchat but i (laughs) i have a feeling with all this stuff it's basically the same as it's always been which is that you have the extreme ends of teenagers where you have the teenagers who are like extremely sweet and sheltered and like they get to 17 and they hear the word masturbation and they're like what does that mean it is you'll have the teenagers who are like having sex in a field when they're 13 like 100 i felt like this was these kids go to the same school as the heartstopper kids but these are like the cool drug kids these are the cool drug kids yeah and yeah we we also meet all of her friends who are essentially like other girls sound similar to her they we have Ver- bex is the only one whose name i feel like i even remember i can um, i can give you their name so no, lily is played me. by adessa young and then bex is played by harry neff and then i also didn't 
clock this until I read about the movie afterwards, but the two other girls, played by Suki Wardahouse and Anika Noni Rose, are both our sisters. Did not clock that, that at all. Fully, I feel like, never actually gets mentioned in the script. Or if it does, it's like in the middle of all the overlayering patter. Yeah. Because I like They are the this... least interesting ones. Yeah, as they well. are. I, I also watched this with closed captions on and I didn't even like read it, let alone hear mm-hmm. it. So I also didn't know. And also, there are scenes later where we have their mum and only one of the characters seems to ever call her mum. So it's a whole thing. But yeah, essentially, this is all the start of it. Everything's party central. And then we have the sort of like initial tease of an inciting incident of what's to come, which is that the mayor gets hacked. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I've just written down, I forgot how many famous people are in this movie because quite literally, they just kept popping up. Like that guy who's in Book Smarts in it as the not hacker. Oh, Noah, Noah Galvin. Yeah, the one who's married to... Evan Hansen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then just like a bunch of people where they would pop up for two seconds and I'd be like, oh, you're 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 one of those actors who's in their 30s who plays a teenager, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, love that for them. But the big scandal is that the mayor got hacked and it specifically has revealed that he is closeted, gay, likes to wear women's lingerie and notoriously is like an anti-LGBT politician. And so it is the absolute talk of the town. Oh my god, the goss, the absolute goss. Can can we just have a, a pause for my favourite like in that montage of like everybody sharing their snaps about like what they're gonna do when they go out? My favourite line. And I mm. may print I may crochet this. No, what's it called? I may needle what's cross it called? Stitch? I may cross stitch this and send it to you. <clears throat> if I have a body like Zach Efron, you should have a body like whoever Zach Efron is fucking. Incredible. Beautiful poetry. That's Love beautiful. That. So um, the the leak happens and everyone's at the party, which obviously has a load of like LED, yeah, purple, red lighting. lighting yeah, amazing, party, amazing lighting. It's like yeah, a yeah. fucking Twitch stream in there. They- <laughs> and Bex- They've got, they were like, look, we need a party. The Twitch streamer at school is not actually that cool, but he does have a really, really cool backdrop set up. Like he had that whole two hour long video where he explained all of his like LED setup. So we should definitely go party at his house. So Bex has a moment. She's like, oh my God, this guy Diamond is like totally hitting on me. I think he gets, he gets described as like the Latino Tom Cruise, which I don't know if that's a I compliment. I the kids into Tom Cruise nowadays. I have like, no Who idea. Can tell? So Diamond is kind of like making eyes at Bex across the room and then they end up going upstairs. And you know what? I actually initially thought that this was really lov- lovely. I said, ah, oh, Bex has consensual affirming safe sex. And, and then the, and then it continues and you were like, oh, maybe And I not. was like, oh, oh, oh dear. Because they do, because he's like, oh, your, your, your tits are perfect. He gets out a condom, is very attentive to her. And then he finishes, starts being awkward and then leaves and says, I'll see you in bio. Which, by the way, is the least sexy thing that you can say post-coitally. And then the classic, you won't tell anyone about this, right? And then Bex cries and and it's really heartbreaking. And then she goes, yeah, I get it. Of course I won't. And you're like, no, Bex. But also what's really interesting is, so I feel like it's difficult because that... The scenes in the party are such a mismatched montage. Mm -hmm. But in the closed captions, after after he tells her her tits are perfect, a gentleman, she says, wait. But then we don't see if he does because the scene keeps time jumping. And so we go from her saying, wait, to a time jump. 
and then they're having sex, but she seems to be into it. So it's a, it's like, I feel like there's a lot of kind of ambiguity going on, a bit of messy consent <sighs> within that scene, which I think is an interesting way of doing it. And then she ends Inter- up Very alone. interesting, Sam. Mm, very interesting. interesting. Ends up crying alone. And also what's really interesting is we also at this point get a bunch of shots, which are not social media montages, but are still using the vertical format. Mm-hmm. In this kind of visual language of this like generation oh, of teens, yeah, kind of like sliding, like simultaneous slide, like sliding panels, mm. kind of. Like vibes. you, I, I quite like liked it. You it might really find on on YouTube Shorts, say, which Jazza is obligated as an, You're empo- not, an employee. Do not bring of Big up Google my. Do not bring to, up my. To employer. every time I mention, you know, reels or TikTok, <laughs> Rowan, they're I always swear, like, you get me fired. Um, what about Shorts? <laughs> No, I've said no. You're very diligent as an employee because you c- consistently are repping shorts. Anyone who will listen, and some I hate people you who so won't. Much. <laughs> um, we also keep getting messages. I say we keep. Uh, we've never. I've never had a message from Daddy. Lily keeps getting messages from Daddy. Um, <laughs> I oh sorry. I, I've had messages from Daddy, and I can okay. confirm he's also texting Lily. <laughs> Uh, and she has a very classic existential no one loves me teenage girl a little bit of um narration about the truth is people say be yourself but no one wants a real you so you have to stop telling the truth you lie to everyone very cheery stuff obviously mm-hmm. everything's going very good for them yeah, uh, this this is where i where i say daddy is the mayor and then where i have in my notes daddy is the mayor and then mayor bartlett immediately goes out in front of a crowd and then shoots himself and the texts keep coming, so I like, can confirm. Wait, it's not Daddy is the not the mayor. mayor. <laughs> pew pew. Um. So yeah. We By the been... way, the least it's such an unrealistic. I kind of take umbrage with the fact that this movie is one often called like a comedy. I don't think it's funny. I think it's well written, and there are like pithy things that the characters say, but I don't think that it is comedy and and funny in any way. It's also often talked about in the same breath as Heathers and Mm. as kind of like a cult classic like Heathers ended up being. Like Heathers didn't do well in the box office, but it's like a really big, like popular movie of empowered teenage women in the same way that something like Jawbreaker was Mm. and like similar movies from the 90s. I really disagree with that alignment with it because I don't think that this movie has any camp in it. Mm. like there's stuff that is over the top but i don't think it's camp it is simply provocative and extreme and i think about this for the press conference the mayor goes into where everyone if it's it's if it's a press conference the press are not going to be booing him (laughs) like it was this hyper this kind of like hyper realism but actually completely unrealistic like engagement that he has and then he shoots himself and actually, I think that a movie that we're not going to be covering anytime soon because of the strikes, Bottoms, is actually a much closer, like, carrier of the yeah. torch of that, like, high camp ridiculousness is funny, is also incredibly gory and gross in, like, similar ways to this. But Assassination Nation just doesn't include any of the camp stuff. And I wonder mm. if it was trying to be and sometimes failed. There was like a couple of lines that happened. Actually, I think both of them were delivered by the brother where I didn't laugh, but I kind of went. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like when, when they were at dinner and he says, have you seen the, yeah. the video of the family being mauled by lions? 
Well, what's okay? Hang on, we're gonna get to that scene because I we'll, thought we'll get to weirdly that. We'll thoughts get to about that. the the scene about the family being mauled. But we also get a continuation of this idea of like gossip being all that these teenagers seem to talk about. They say things like, "I live for this type of scandal," as they're talking about the mayor, and it's very removed from the like realities of this guy's life and the idea that it's kind of like a this guy was into being anti-LGBT, so fuck him versus people being like this pervert ran on family values platform it's like he's a he's a pervert and that's what's wrong with this situation like he's kind of getting it from all sides but it seems at this point to be a little bit more removed for the teenagers in terms of what's happening it's just like a sort of cosmic karma serves him right mm-hmm. what a joke and we're, were f- we're all gonna like look download and look at these files because it's like titillating in a way to see someone in power be kind of like brought down in this manner, even if yeah. you don't think there's anything wrong with what he was doing. And I think this is part of like Levison's attempt here to create a like the commentary. So I feel like there is the if you're as the viewer, you're watching this and being like, Oh yeah, this serves this family values politician, right? for having his private life exposed like this. Where uh, do you draw the line? Huh? And then he kills himself. And then I think it's deliberately like, well, then you actually see all of the characters having actually quite nuanced discussions about this. And there are, not to be too sidesy about it, but there are nuanced opinions on both sides of whether or not this was... So Beck says, this guy wouldn't have cared if I had killed myself. And when people like me killed themselves, why would I care? Would I, why would I grieve this guy? And then there's the, well, somebody else said, I think it's, I might be Lily or... or it's another one of the girls says. One of the others. One of the others says, oh, well, you can still kind of like ha- have empathy for somebody who is going through this, who's like not been able to come out in a world and all of those kinds of things. And this happens a few times throughout the movie. And I actually, I quite, I quite liked that, to be honest, that nuance. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it could very easily have gone into like all these characters are the signposted caricatures of the person who is a good who has this kind of morality or the person who will always argue the devil's advocate side or whatever and it'd Mm -hmm. be a bit clunky. But I did think that those were elements of the script where it felt like it wasn't necessarily as heavy-handed as it could have been, which, you know, we love, we love for things not to be as heavy-handed as they could have been. What a compliment to the script. But we have after this, the, the mayor is dead. We have this kind of commentary going on about it. It doesn't stop because we then have the principal getting hacked. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is kind of where I think it goes from if it had just been that this guy had the the mayor had had all these things leaked then it might have been embarrassing might have been whatever but the big like oh it's contentious because was the fact that he was anti-LGBT what we then have with the principal hack is a man who seems to have very little in way of his private information which is genuinely damning and a lot of people digging into things that have happened and making huge sweeping judgments on him based on that so the idea of like he, they were able to read all of his messages with his wife and they talk about the idea of like what kind of a person wouldn't reconcile with their father before his father died with seemingly no nuance about the idea of like or, or empathy around the idea that this this man clearly had a difficult relationship with his father like we never hear any of the details about it but it all becomes fodder for people's gossip and we also have the fact that there are pictures of his six-year-old daughter while she's taking a mm-hmm. bath, which were just on his phone. He hadn't posted them anywhere. Mm-hmm. He wasn't sharing them with people. But there was this implication of like, oh, why would you have photos like that? Any any photos of a child like that must have nefarious purposes. And it goes from him being this 
respected principal to being someone that everyone's saying, I always knew there was something wrong with him. He's a he's a paedophile, like all of these accusations being thrown around from this hack. Mm -hmm. And so he also goes out into another big attack mob of people who are like booing him as he comes out into the room and the blur and the glaring lights and he says that he's i'm from the bad side of town and all i wanted was to create a good space for kids i refuse to stand down and then everybody starts chanting lock him up which is very hillary 2016 my mm -hmm. friends Hello everybody, Jazza here for the ad read today. This episode is sponsored by Nerdy Kepi, a quality queerwear company from Portland, Oregon. Nerdy Kepi is family-owned, trans-operated and unionised, offering queer-coded gear that's subtle, sustaining and suitable for work in a variety of explicit or not-so-explicit designs with sizes up to 5XL in most items, as well as a large number of accessories. They have a ton of stuff on their website, like bags and backpacks, home decor stuff, headwear, stickers, even kind of like religious gear if you want to show off your queerness. It's really an amazing website if you want to accessorize or uh, be cool and explicit with your queerness and your fashion. You can support the podcast by putting our code into your checkout. So there is a coupon code queer movie or one word that will give you 20% off your first purchase. That's at nerdy Kepi. You can find them at ithaspockets.gay. That's it's it has pockets <laughs> gay. They're good. Check them out. We're also continuing to be supported by Squarespace, who can help you to buy a domain and create a website. We always talk about how we love using Squarespace for website creation, giving us access to analytics, the creation of email campaigns and connecting all of your socials in one place. The design features really also make everything so much more accessible. You don't have to learn to code. It's really simple. Loads of drag and dropping and you don't have to sit there scratching your head as to, should I have learned Java? You don't need to have learned Java anymore. Everything like aligns beautifully. All of the text and image options are stunning. You're going to make the sexiest damn website you've ever seen. We know you hear a lot of your favorite podcasts and other media offering their discount codes, but please consider backing us and choosing to use ours. All you have to do, please, all you have to do is go to squarespace.com slash queermovie and when you're all set up to launch your website and spend some money, you can use the offer code queermovie. All one word, save 10 percentage points off your purchase and you help us out as well. So go to squarespace.com slash queermovie and now we're going to continue to talk about Assassination Nation. And then we enter what I call Act Two, which is the Purge. Uh, I want to just say at this, because I, I, I said I'd come back to it. We have that moment where Donnie, talk, the brother, talks about. I believe he says, have you "Oh, seen sure, the, yeah." Have you, got, have you guys seen that? So this is after there's been a very tense moment at the table where Lily is attempting to defend the principal, and the mm -hmm. parents are like, "There was always something he was a wrong un," and Lily is like, "Okay," storms off, and the their brother and the parents are just left at the table awkwardly and the brother just comes out with you guys 
Have you guys seen that video of the family in Africa who got mauled by seven tigers? <laughs> and there's this pause and the dad goes, no, Donnie, I must have missed that. And it's so good because it's, it's such an interesting line because tigers don't live in Africa, mm-hmm. which was, trust me to be like, I've fact check this anecdote. But that to me is really interesting. because I'm like, he either hasn't seen it or he's mm-hmm. misrepresenting what he did see, or he's heard about this thing, or like he didn't see it, but so he saw a TikTok about it kind of thing. And that feels like such a microcosmic anecdote of it, so many things that this movie is commenting on. And it's just thrown in there in the background with this character who, you know, seems to have absolutely nothing to do with what's going on. It's just kind of wandering around in a bit of a daze on I b- his phone. I believe this is really, that's the only other line that that character has, isn't yeah. it? I don't think he says anything else apart from at the end where he says for the lols. Or is this not, n- very little? Is, is this the part in which I hate to tell you that I did also know before the end? I knew. I knew. So I. Did you also Also know didn't it? know until the reveal. Oh, God. I was really hoping you were going to suddenly be like, Rowan, this was the one time. No, 100%. Uh, did you, when did you find out that he was the, the hacker? So I, as soon as we, we will get to it, but there is a, a, a character who reveals that the IP address of Lily's house was the origin of a bunch of materials getting downloaded. And so uh, I was like, it's someone no. in the house. Well, it and must so be it, the to mother. Be, no. To be fair, I was like circling around who out of those characters would have been the most interesting for it and what. So it was a, it was like the dad for a bit. And then, but I kind of had settled on thinking it was the brother before the end we all experience films differently i've experienced them by overthinking the uh, geographic location of big cats um yeah whereas i just buckle in which, and go mark wee. doesn't eat pussy am i right <laughs> welcome to act two mark is lily's oh boyfriend. that is a much better name for act two the purge <laughs> aka mark doesn't eat pussy <laughs> the purge five mark doesn't eat pussy so although she has been messaging daddy we haven't mentioned yet lily does have a boyfriend called mark who, mm-hmm. important information, doesn't eat pussy. And when they're at this party, and they're at another party, that's all they, just their big hobby, she quit babysitting to do more partying, it looks like. We have a very classic scene of like realistic male anger where Bex slyly, coyly makes it obvious that Mark doesn't eat pussy uh, in front <laughs> of other people. And him and Lily basically storm off and he has, gets really angry at her and starts calling her a slut and like, you're like a whore or any other whore on Instagram. Basically like how easily his anger turns against her and his frustration and also how much she is like accepting of that treatment of her. And I think it's like a really interesting, extremely realistic, like we've seen time and time again, how a moment of rejection or embarrassment or humiliation gets turned on women. That is like, we see it in, in so many ways, doesn't even have to be like a personal humiliation. We see it when sports teams lose in terms of a rise in domestic violence calls and things like that, that it is like, hey, here, it's not that we're going from zero to 100 and suddenly all these men are killing people for no reason. We're also peppering in these examples of men who can suddenly snap with something as small as the idea that his girlfriend has been talking to her friends about their sex life Mm -hmm. and hasn't been like raving about it to them. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he does eat her pussy. He so, does, though. So turns out all you need is a passive-aggressive friend and to go through a little bit of an argument, and then it's all fine. It's all fine until you get hacked. So, so there's a big data dump. Everybody, like, not everyone, but a big, a large number of people get their personal data released in the whole of... 
this town, which by the way is called Salem, have we called? Have we said that I it's called Salem? I don't know. We pointed this out because that um, is. It's called uh, Salem because might be we love we love a blunt metaphor. I so think this these might be witch trials. <laughs> oh, outstanding analysis, mm, I've, Rowan. I've put together your clues, Sam Levinson. <laughs> So everything gets released and among the the content that is released is Daddy's texts with Lily. So mm-hmm. we end up seeing a load of no face pics of Lily, but she's wearing identifiable jewellery and it shows off a birthmark on her back, which is going to give her away in just a little bit. And then also Diamond's information and and data got leaked as well which shows that he was doing a little bit of flirting with bex and then all of the guys do the toxic masculinity thing they're doing some like machine dumbbell flies stuff and then they do the the bro thing and they say yeah we've got to we've got to teach this guy a lesson that makes sense and basically the purge starts to happen essentially we have a scene where lily's boyfriend what's his name mark mark where mark tells lily to come down to the is it a parking lot it's somewhere some Um, empty corridor in the school and then wrestles her to the ground to show her birthmark on her back so that he can prove that it was her in those in those leaked images and we also hear that daddy who we now know is the guy who lives opposite Lily's friends. We know that his wife has taken their kid and and left him. We also Lovely. get Bella Thorne is in this as well. Forgot to mention her earlier. Reagan. Oh my god! We also god. get some like classic bits of like high school movies. So we have a slow mo walking montage when they mm-hmm. first enter school in Act One, where you see their shoes walking and you get all their outfits. We have the classic like disgusted look from the mean girl but they're also kind of friends with her and she's also sort of a bit of a ditzy mean girl who thinks that like everyone like a guy is buying her wish list from amazon because yeah she's in a financial domination relationship (laughs) she's in a financial dom relationship and doesn't know it like i actually kind of love her obsessed but she it turns out because her information and her data gets leaked she has a friend who we find out had her nudes sent to the whole school prior to the events of this, but nobody knew how it had happened. And it turns out that the friend had sent them to Reagan, it's Bella's character. She then sent it to her boyfriend and was like, don't don't show anyone these, but oh my God, look at these pictures. Aren't they cringe kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And then he sent them around to everyone. And so we have in a classic purge moment, the friend grabs a very hefty looking baseball bat Mm -hmm. and goes to cheerleading practice to absolutely smash one into Reagan. Like Um, cracks it over her head. Oh, Reagan was down. She's just Mm -hmm. not dead, but very much uh, injured question mark around her, (laughs) her signs of recovery. They did an ouchie. Oh, they also, they also waterboard Marty, the guy who was kind of like the, the pseudo hacker who released all of the mayor's stuff. The person played by Noah Galvin, which is significant just for a jump scare later on. (laughs) Love that. We also, so at this point, Mark has taken this picture of Lily and has sent it to people being like, this is the slut from daddy's things. I I don't think I actually put this man's names down. I think I just referred to him as daddy the entire way through this, these notes. And I stand by that. But essentially because this, I don't know when these things happen, I'm like, where are they getting posted online? What, what? 
Social it looks media like LimeWire or something, doesn't it? I th- no, it's 4chan. It's 4chan. They but I'm like, what? Because yeah. the social media... Because like, the fact that she comes home from school and her parents already know... I'm like, what is the, like, what social media network are all of these age groups on? It's getting, it's gotten to the WhatsApp forwarding memes, but her parents are not happy. There is a moment where you're thinking, could this go right? She's, she gets home and they're sitting on the sofa and they're like, we need to talk to you. And she's like, I can't right now. I can't, I can't. Just say we love you no matter what. Just be a good parent. You know, there was a single moment where we thought that maybe, you know, she'd be in her house and her parents would be defending her and the mob would come. But no, her parents are basically like, get the fuck out. Especially her mom. It's like, what's wrong with you? This is disgusting. Throws her out. And she essentially with like absolutely nothing to her name, obviously it's like I has to walk to a friend's house and while she's on the way she is catcalled and harassed by these guys driving in the car who recognize her and again it's one of those moments of like yeah you don't even have to be the most hated girl with all these nude photos out there guys fucking catcall us all the time so I'm like mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense that that would totally have happened but we also get our first moment of sort of oh the I guess a moment of like in the script this isn't just going to be this girl is a victim the whole time yeah. kind of energy where she runs into like a through a gate and into someone's backyard to try and escape these guys this guy gets out he's got a knife he's like trying to find her and she absolutely brains him with a shovel to the face He's I, like re- I, I really like this scene <laughs> 10 out of 10 um because then for some reason it cuts to a kid <laughs> who sees who's seen the whole thing holding a giant toad yeah what is course. what is that what's well, that meant to thing. mean if you've been paying attention to the trigger warnings at the beginning of the movie i'm pretty sure that, that there is a trigger warning for a giant toad in there somewhere <laughs> okay so you sure, really sorry. should have seen it coming it was the obvious spot in the movie to have a giant toad i'm just not um, paying attention enough <laughs> I feel like we're at the end of the act, right, at this point. Yes. Or not. I feel like it's kind of... Well... Uh, or maybe maybe a bit longer. But we so flash forward to one week later. Yeah. So, well, we know... Um, so Marty is being waterboarded and says that it was Lily who was the person who leaked everything. And then it's a... Or is it a week later and then... Marty. It's I don't a week know. later and then he gets waterboarded. And then he gets waterboarded and now everybody thinks that Lily released the information. I've called Act 3 Feminism versus the Witch Trials. Inspired. I've called this Why Would She Do It, You Idiots? <laughs> because truly... She leaked her own she info. She leaked her own <laughs> horrific information. Why would she do it? She's a well, girl, so that no- So that nobody suspected her. She's a girl her. in STEM. Except that they <laughs> did. So the girls are kind of like all shacked up at the sister's house and they're all dressed up in some some late not latex some like like trench leather pleather red trench coats yeah looking incredible watching a movie that you pronounce so beautifully but whose translation is delinquent girl boss unworthy of penance which is a bad yes it's a bad it's a whole series of like 70s japan like women exploitation movies which are very i did try my hardest to find a copy of this online and it didn't happen but essentially they're starting to uh, like the mob is amassing they're starting to and actually i really like the way that this was shot really great and interesting cinematography a lot of it apparently using iphones to be able to get those kind of those dynamic shots which i think is really cool but it's lots of through window shots showing Mm. different kind of foreground and background different perspectives and lots of beautiful framing and then one by one each of the girls in the 
house is being kind of like taken down, restrained, etc. The guy coming after Lily gets killed by Nance, who is Em and Sarah's mum. Bex kills another guy with a nail gun in a pool and escapes oh. to try and find help. Another amazing scene. Incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, it's really great because a teenage girl in a pool in a coming of age movie is such a like cliche, and the mm-hmm. fact that she's then just like nail gunning a man to death, incredible. Nance, the mum, then actually dies helping them escape. Em and Sarah are dragged outside and put into the police car of the police officer who is kind of acting as the leader of this vigilante mm-hmm. group. Did um, I not promise you justice? That's what um, he says. He did. We're good people. And then he <laughs> says, We're gonna find you, bitch. <laughs> incredible rousing speech from the police officer and lily goes to hide in nick's house who you might for one second wait nick is daddy nick is daddy nick is daddy so goes to hide in daddy's house which as we know is next door and you might think for a second hey daddy you clearly are going to be protecting lily this seems like a great plan except for the fact instead he wants to do the opposite of that and have sex with her whether she wants it or not Mm -hmm. uh because he says in all this pain and chaos i didn't even get to fuck you Mm-hmm. romance isn't dead lads incredible scenes bex then takes out one of the attackers but wakes away onto the street when all of the football players who were talking about teaching diamond a lesson then find her and start setting up to hang her mm, bad so timing that's, bex that's, that's wrong nice place, wrong time wrong buddy. place wrong time <laughs> and that they specifically want diamond to be the one to put the noose around her throat just will the horrors never end and so bex and lily's scenes are kind of running parallel to each other so it jumps back and forwards but essentially the end of lily's is that she tricks him into thinking that she wants this and then stabs him to escape runs into the bathroom where she finds the body of marty who has been waterboarded and then forced to make a video and then stabbed and wrapped in a it's a lot of blood It's a lot of blood. So much blood. And she very, again, like another moment of her just really improvising on the fly, makes a weapon out of a razor blade that she puts into a bar of soap so she can hold it. Ingenuity, 10 out of 10. We love her. She slits his throat as she should and then escapes just fully covered in his blood in a real carry moment. Incredible, Mm -hmm. 10 out of 10. It's a moment of triumph for Lily and then another moment of triumph for a second for Bex because she essentially persuades Diamond not, you know, not to hang her, which Mm -hmm. I think is the bare minimum of a boyfriend or somebody (laughs) to do. Except, you know, the chocks are not into that. So they're kind of like, get him out of here. Continue anyway. His his decision to be a good person makes no difference to her death. And it's it's kind of like looking looking kind of good and then looking bad again, looking good, looking bad again. But essentially, mm-hmm. these girls are really going through the ringer is, this, is the summary yeah. of this third act. Um, yeah, Lily has found, apparently Daddy is a prepper and he's got a shit ton of weapons. And so she picks up all of the weapons, goes to say, he she kills the officer with a shotgun and saves the two sisters who I cannot remember the names of, then goes and say, and then the three of them kind of like do like the walkie 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 the slow-mo walk slow-mo with guns walk. this time like from the beginning in the hallway yeah. in, the, in the high school but they do it on the street with guns classic yeah. america um they save bex feminism happens sisterhood really strong really fantastic um they said bex- hashtag girl boss babe and, and then I they, say that, and Jazza could fully have been like Rowan. Did they actually say that in the movie? Because that is indeed could the kind have. of thing that they would say in that movie. So they, the feminism happens. All of the jocks are killed. They don't kill Diamond. I'd have killed him. I would have not have let and let him go. Um, wait, uh, no, no, wait, wait, wait. No, they, they don't kill. Are you talking about Diamond? You're talking about the leader of the gang. Oh, the of the I jocks. am talking about the leader of the gang. Yeah, no, Beck should have killed the leader of the gang. 
Yeah, but I mean, do you because also Diamond think he also is also let go. go. But like... I think I think both of them should have been killed. Everyone in this movie should be dead. I mean, also like the jocks are filming this as well. So this is again, we love a commentary, but they clearly were getting some content. Mm-hmm. They were like, we must get content of this girl's murder. Also, I was commented the fact that they are wasting so many bullets. They had a really dramatic shootout where they were simply shooting the side of a car. And I was like, do guns not run out of bullets? But then I realized I don't know anything about guns. So I'm like, I will suspend my disbelief for this, <laughs> Good <laughs> for job. this scene. But yeah, they decide to spare Head Jock and I was really ready for him to come back for one last scare. But he, I guess, just crawled into a ditch and cried. Yeah, no real conclusion Allegedly. there. He just like leaves. Allegedly, yeah, in my opinion. Gone. So then the, I think they record a movie that they put a movie they record a video they record that they, a feature <laughs> film they record a film of lily basically is the word you're looking for video jazza they yes that video. is thank you they record a video that lily does basically doing a rallying cry for all of the other girls to come and fight the people who have decided that this is now the purge mm. yep fine you can kill fine. me you can't kill us all and then it yeah. ends as if there's going to be a street fight face off, but they get really close to each other and they all have guns. Like no one was deciding to fire, start firing their guns when they were like, you know, not <laughs> two feet away from each other when they had mm-hmm. some kind of cover. And then it just cuts and you're like, okay, I guess that's the end of the movie. But then there is just this single scene, oh, which is a, I, seemingly a flash forward. I actually <laughs> adore this scene. I think this is brilliant. <laughs> to a police cell where the brother, Lily's brother is, the brother who all he's done the entire time was give us that anecdote about tigers in Africa. And I think he sips his straw. He's got like a massive slurpy A sippy cup, cup. Yeah. And he just sips on the straw while his sister is being thrown out of the house. And his parents are just like, why would you do something like this? All these lives ruined. And the final line of the film is, Jazza, bring it home. Why would you do this? Just wait. For the lols. And then it's the credits. Um, we won't stop. Oh, well, he can't stop. And then a marching band marches through for some reason. Mm-hmm. A marching band, which do fantastically, by the way. I'd pay money to come go and see these these folks. They uh, do a rendition, like a, a, a marching band rendition of Mighty Cyrus's We Can't Stop okay. as they go through the wreck. They can't stop thing. and they won't stop. And I think that we all learned something today. Mm. What was it that we learned, Jessa? Excellent. And that is the end of our <laughs> review. <laughs> oh, dear. So, okay. What were your, what were your thoughts on this movie? I I actually, I think it's a cliche now, but I actually do really like the cinematography of this kind of stuff. Mm. I think especially that scene, the scene of like the house raid is really beautiful. And although a lot of the violence is like really gratuitous, hey, I love me some like Kill Bill. I love me some Quentin Tarantino. I, I, I didn't mind any of that. I think that it's like the, the, the violence against women I don't know if this is like the the sisterhood feminism stuff felt really reductive and blunt, and it, I feel like it's also just taking part in the things that it's trying to critique. I agree. Um, I also think that what's it, it suddenly becomes about being a girl, mm-hmm. seemingly out of nowhere, because the first two victims are two are guys. both middle aged men. They're both just dudes, and suddenly by the end, the rallying cry is just to a bunch of teenage girls. But it was like, wh- when was, how was this a thing? Like, what And if they made about? more of a thing of like the Reagan thing or the girl whose nudes were leaked. Yeah, I think that's right, actually. It start like the pivot 
happens halfway through the movie and so it doesn't build up any enough momentum to have i think the right to have the message that it thinks it has Mm-hmm. i would argue if you are interested in a better movie about girls who get their shit leaked you should watch the sisterhood of night which is another salem witch troll adjacent your shit gets leaked movie it's like another thriller it's from 2014 and it's very good can it's recommend amazing. over this in terms of if you're if that's like what you're looking for on purpose this movie kind of weirdly felt like it fell into it, but it didn't necessarily set it up particularly well for me, at least. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I, 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 did, I did have fun watching it. I did as well. I am a sucker for men make movies about women <laughs> suffering, but they do it really stylized, so it's kind of fun to watch. Sucker Punch, another classic of the genre. Ah, yes, it's, it's, it's very Sucker Punch. Fun it's to very watch, punch. and mm-hmm. we are tired and we just want to watch something (laughs) silly and they simply won't give women these budgets to do it themselves so yeah no it's very yeah you know if if we were giving more money to Diablo Cody maybe we would have more of these by women but we're gonna have to just take this Mm -hmm. what is I also think that like when the presence on screen are these actresses like and actually same with Sucker Punch who have like grit and determination and personality and spunkiness and stuff i feel like there is like a lot that they bring to it as well as what's been going on kind of within the writing room uh, a little bit and so yeah in terms of officially giving it our rainbow flag rating which we do every episode we have the rating out of six for the six stripes of the rainbow flag and we also pick which color stripes we're giving it because in case you don't know they all have a meaning Uh, so red is life orange is healing yellow is sunlight Green is nature, blue is harmony, and purple is spirit. So Jazza, how many stripes and which colours are you going to give Assassination Nation? I don't know if it deserves three. Mm. <laughs> I don't think it's... The reason that it's a rainbow flag is because... I'm not rating it on kind of like how good the movie is. We're rating it on how kind of like queer it is and how good and queer. Good, mm. very good, very gay, very good. Very good and very gay. What's yeah, the both mean? of the things kind of melding together. <laughs> yeah. And I do think that the, like, essentially we have this character who is kind of like exciting and groundbreaking in some ways, but also her entire storyline is how... It is I'm nearly hung. <laughs> is, is I'm like graphically hate-crimed. And she does have a personality and everything, but also a lot of the things that she's talking about are also around like queer oppression, but yeah. not in a way that feels like it's her being centered in it. So yeah, I would also agree with your analysis specifically on the rainbow flag type of scoring that we give it i probably would agree with a a two not quite a three i'm gonna give it a two and those two colors are gonna be purple for spirit because you know what they tried Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna give it red for life but also all of that fucking blood for blood yes i Mm -hmm. am going to give it the exact same agree amazing oh no it's never good when we agree (laughs) i know that doesn't happen very often thank you so much for listening for those of you who missed it, we have now left Multitude and are now a fully independent podcast and need your support to keep the lights on. If you enjoy these episodes, we ask that you consider supporting us on Patreon. As a patron, you can join our queer movie club where we do watch-alongs in our Discord each month. But that is the bare minimum, as at higher levels, you can also get our movie recommendations and a monthly newsletter with the curation of all the gay shit that we find on the internet. Last month, we did 10 queer games, and it turns out there's only 10. <laughs> spoilers for the spoilers <laughs> for, for for gaming that's uh, not that's not really true but the, 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 i did but have you to... enjoyed enough to put on your recommendation yeah exactly, list, exactly 
thank you once again to Jennifer and Toby for supporting us at the highest tier on Patreon, Rainbow Parents. You, along with the rest of our supporters on Patreon and in the Discord, help us keep this podcast going. Make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast so that you can get notified for our next episode. We have been Chazza John and Rowan Ellis. We're edited by Rowan. Mm, or maybe Sparks. Or Sparks. Oh, lovely. Thank you so much, my darlings. You'll hear from us Bye. very soon. Bye.